Episode 10 Sorrows and Smiles In the years between 1973 to 1975, my mother Janice experienced a whirlwind of drama due to a custody battle with my dad, navigating the challenges of single motherhood, and she had several moves in her waitressing career. It's the career portion of her life I would like to take a moment and expand upon. I think it's important to understand once again the person my mom was. Part of her was that she was a waitress. She embraced the profession with pride. Well, I gotta get to bed. It's 11 o'clock Michigan time, 10 o'clock Indiana time. So I have to get up at 7 Michigan time, be at work by 9.30. So um, I'll close. Despite the long hours and intensity of the work, she never complained and saw being a waitress as an opportunity to use her homemaker skills and natural warmth to create a difference in people's lives and pursue her own independence. She had a special knack for understanding people's needs and creating a comforting atmosphere for them. She had an abundant empathy and was a true professional. Growing up, I had been told by my grandparents that she did work as a waitress. However, in context, I now understand that she was more than just working a job. She truly had a career as a waitress. Janice and I worked together beginning right after you were born at a restaurant named Capri, Italian and a large place. Your mom left Capri and went to work at a restaurant called The Down Under. It actually was in a basement. She went there because she needed to make more money to take care of you kids. She was always dressed nicely and never anything out of place. Pleasant and never mean or foul-mouthed. A lady. When we were still working together, we were working dinner shift. So we'd go in about 3 and get off about 11. But then she needed more money, so she would go into the bar and work the bar until 2 a.m. or whenever they closed. Did that a lot because she didn't, you know, she just needed the money. Like, right. you know, we were both just trying to make ends meet is what we were doing. And, right. you know, keep our kids fed and babysitters. And <laughs> she worked at the Big Wheel, the Capri, the Down Under, Nicola's, the Royal Inns of America, 
and Pete's patio, where she was last seen by eyewitnesses. Since I have dived deeper into her past, taken a closer look at the years and months before she went missing, I've been granted a greater appreciation for who she was as a person. It's clearer to me now that she had a real passion for her work. With every bit of information I uncover, I'm left feeling more and more in awe of the woman she was, the impact she left, and the vast amounts of potential she had. She was only 24 years old, just shy of her 25th birthday. I've heard directly from her friends, who were also her co-workers, that she was a wonderful person and a dedicated worker. I'm no stranger to the hospitality and service industry myself, and my sister has worked as what we now call an essential worker for the past 27 years. We definitely get it. Not to mention, my grandparents were dedicated restaurant patrons. I could always count on Grandpa Ray and Grandma Joanne to take my sister and I out to eat at their favorite eatery, and often their newest eatery discovery. you could join us for our annual Easter show. Let's join the parade. In your Easter bonnet, with all the frills upon it, I'll be the grandest lady in the My mom's attention to detail, which I speculated about back in episode 4, has been proven with a 1968 audio tape that I have finally been transferred to USB. I washed and waxed the 55 today. You don't think that was a job. (laughs) That waxing can really get to you. I cleaned up all the chrome on the inside and outside and scrubbed down the mats and the, you know, on the floors and the seats and I just really cleaned it from head to toe and so I'm really pooped. (laughs) This tidbit of information heard directly from her will also come into play as the investigation into her disappearance and murder ramps up. My mom never had the chance to share her passion for her work, attention to details, and higher aspirations with her own children. I would have loved to have heard her motherly advice, her tone of voice on the subject, and even watched her work and learn from her example. These simplicities of knowing your own mother were taken away, and she was never able to share it with her children. And for that, I grieve for her. But even in this pain, I found, excuse me, I find something that brings me comfort. 
In the knowledge and understanding of who my mother was and who she strived to become, I am reminded that her true passions, her convictions, and her ambitions live on inside of me. Although we never shared these sentiments in person, I can feel their presence. Oh yeah, life goes on Long after the thrill of living is gone It is true that during these years, she dated and eventually moved in with Gerald Libertowski, the man who would become her killer in the midsummer of 1975. There is little knowledge of her personal life while living with Libertowski. He made sure of that. There are stories and testimony of some family gatherings on Sundays and on some holidays, a trip to Disney World and a Dingus Day outing at the local American Legion. There could be more, but that's what we know, and I'll say it's a good thing. Likely the writing on the wall as it pertains to her breakup and move out. It has recently surfaced and speculated by authorities at the time that Gerald Libertowski may have had some issues with assertive women. He was known to physically attack his own mother and was joined in by laughter from his own father. This indicates serious family dysfunction, and I certainly don't mean to make light of any type of mental health issues, but when it applies to a known murderer and psychopath, I believe, as Janice Sanders' son, I have some First Amendment rights. What a piece of shit. It is believed that his relationships with the women that eventually moved into his home became platonic. They were solely there to cook, clean, iron, and sew. Console him when he needed to cry and carry on, and to praise him when he needed an ego stroke. When you talk like that, I'm tempted to ring for Nanny and have you put to bed with no supper. His reputation as a local contractor and businessman, his Cadillacs and trucks, his family farm, his large framed body, and what I've grotesquely learned secondhand from a former girlfriend, his dimples, were all a front. He deceived everyone around him with his disingenuous charms, and he had done so for far too long. Past Jerry coming down Moss Road, and he was going so fast I didn't have a chance to flag him down. He honked his horn and kept right on going. When? Tonight. Tonight? He was coming towards our house. Which way did he turn then? Turned right. I think he went down to his property down on the corner I'll here. I bet you he's building a house on that because that looks like Yeah, he might, he might be building a house, Jim. Maybe he's going to get back with his wife, or else he's got another woman on the line. No, he's got doors back. 
His carefully crafted facade had become the smokescreen behind which he hid, trying desperately to keep his hollow shell of a man hidden from view. His unpleasant scent of lies and deceit clung to his sorry existence. He was a good liar, a thief, and a cold-blooded murderer. He hasn't fooled everyone. We know Jerry Liebertowski murdered both women. That is not even a question. Um, the question is where they are located and if we can recover them for the families, because both the families have lived with this. If they got something, execute it. If they don't have something, leave it the fuck alone. Sure. I don't know what they're gonna, they think they're going to find from all these random people that weren't even alive when all this took place, but they ain't going to find out nothing, because if they would, they would have heard it from me, and I don't know nothing. To this day, as I speak, there are individuals in the Michiana region who cannot bring themselves to speak the truth. These facts of his character and behavior, coupled with expert opinions, explain why my mom's instinct was to spend most of her time working while she lived with Jerry. As she got to know more about the man he really was, it's apparent he was not her cup of tea Fortunately, she still had the support from family, babysitters, and my dad to assist with me and my sister's welfare. Her evening free time was spent working. She worked and worked and worked. The occasional outing with a girlfriend or coworker appears to have been occasional, but she did have them. A couple weeks before your mom went missing, we took the kids outside and sat on a blanket under our shade tree out front. It was nice day, and we talked about her moving away from Jerry. Your mom and I took you to kids and my two kids to Tower Hill on Lake Michigan. The next day, we all had rashes from the sand and water. We were all so fair-skinned. When I hear first-hand accounts from those who knew my mother, I am filled with a complex combination of emotion. There's joy with sorrow, and smiles with tears. It leaves me with feelings of confusion and guilt that are difficult to express. As I listen to the stories of others who knew my mother, it brings comfort yet grief all at the same time. I am often left with a sense of ambiguity. I will never be able to put into proper words the lifelong experience of ambiguous loss. of hope in the case of a missing woman last seen 50 years ago. Janice Sanders disappeared from Niles in 1975, never to be seen again. As a kid, you're, you're just kind of confused at how this could happen and um, how no one saw anything or heard anything or found her. And so as a kid, you sort of, I mean, I know I re just repress it. As a child, I knew about her killer and I had grieved for my own loss. As a teenager, my grief turned to anger 
when I first saw a photo of her killer. As a young adult, my grief turned to action when I attempted to get her killer back into a court of justice. As a middle-aged adult, I first saw a photo of her killer with severe injuries to his face the same day she was reported missing. I've recently learned that those injuries extended to his upper chest and forearms. It's been a rough few months and almost even a year. I can't explain all the ups and downs my sister and I have gone through. Um, it's just, uh, it's a lot of information. And um, we've also recently found 1960s audio tapes, which I've mentioned that we've transferred. And um, it's rough to hear some of them. Uh, she talks about her life. She talks about her family. And uh, it's it's been good to hear her voice. Um, that's something my sister and I never never had the uh, the gift of growing up with. So, um, with this season finale, I hope that, um, these stories and this information has reached to people who care or want to understand more. And in season two, um, there'll be more to tell, more, uh, good news we hope and I'll uh, I'll end with uh, we're going to find her and bring her home